Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. So this interview may sound a little different because, wait for it, it's live. Yes, I get to actually interview someone face to face. We met up in New York City, we had a drink, we hit record, and this is the episode. Balabi Sharda is a Indian-Australian film actress and a classical Indian Bharatanatyam dancer. And yes, of course, I asked her for a dance-off. And yes, of course, she will destroy me. Her film credits include Oscar-nominated film Lion, Bollywood films Begum John and Hawaii Zada, and comedy Australian film Save Your Legs. She's also worked on numerous Hindi films like My Name is Khan, Dastola, Besharam, and a few others. And this year, Shraddha has starred in Tom and Jerry, which I'm definitely checking out, and The One, which is currently on Netflix, so check that out. Next year, she has two feature films coming out, Black Sight and Wedding Season. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for those. Pallavi has been doing some amazing work. We actually met maybe 10 years ago when I was roaming the streets of Bombay trying to be a cool kid, but you know, didn't quite make it. And Pallavi was also named on the list of 40 most influential Asian Australians at the inaugural Asian Australian Leadership Summit. So yeah, she's been a busy person and I pretty much tried to convince her to move to New York the whole time. So hopefully she listens. I hope you enjoy my interview with trailblazer Pallavi Sharda. So we, st- we hung out a few times and that's my memory. Uh-huh. And I just felt like we connected super we quick. And I yeah. was like, I was like, we haven't talked in like 10 years. <laughs> But I'm like, no, no, she loves me. Like, she's yeah. like my little sister. And everyone was like, no. It's true. Right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it took me like three minutes to respond to your message. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm cool enough. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is current projects. Right. Do you have a book coming out? Oh. And if you do, yeah. is it a memoir? Yes and yes. How much can you tell me? I'm struggling to find a name, I'll tell you that much. Okay. Uh, so come all your listeners, write in, let us know what you think. But uh, I have at least five. Great. At least. Great. So, yes. It's funny that you found that information because it's like been like not very disclosed, but it, it's been going on for so long that okay. I feel like it's like it's been announced and then retracted, announced and retracted because I have sort of kind of been associated with publishing deals. That's how it started. I got a publishing deal like four years ago and then. But I'm currently, you know, what was happening with the publishing industry, choosing to do it in Australia okay. as an Australian book, an Australian author. Like it was a very distinct choice to do it, to write it in my Australian voice and from the perspective of a woman who grew up there. Right. Uh, because that's sort of the basis of anything for me. Uh, but what I've, what I've really experienced recently, which would be interesting to see how it plays out in the next year or so, is that publishing is an industry that hasn't really caught up with the need for authentic representation and diversity in the way that we talk about it. I mean, I think all of the arts talks about it, but doesn't really execute. That's why conversations like this with two brown women sitting here are so important and why I'm so happy to be talking to you right now because, you know, we are the voices that have authority to speak about our experience. And I think when you're up against the red tape of institutionalised kind of art-making some of that can be diluted and, you know, you become a tick box. Right. So I've been kind of, while the first draft is ready to go, just waiting to find the way in which I can do it in the most authentic way. Um, And I finally found a beautiful editor of colour, an Indian-Australian woman to edit, uh, which is what I was waiting for. And, you know, I had to uncover her. I was just about to tell you, which is amazing that you found that, but we... As you know, I'm sure you know, we have some beautiful Indian women publishers that have started their own platforms here. Really? Maybe I need to get out of Australia. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Well, this is my way. Um, The whole theme of this podcast is to get your ass here so I can come crash you and Amisha's parties. Um, Point is, there's a ton, not a ton, there's a lot more 
South Asian females starting their own publishing companies. That's here, great to hear. That are actually, you know, that's great spreading the hear. word and doing quite well. So I think, yeah, I'm glad you're doing it. You know, with Australia. And yeah, Singapore. I mean, it's a global. The idea is that it's to appeal to a global audience, and and I think that for myself has had to be initially when I was writing, it was sort of like, oh, I want to educate, for lack of a bit of a word, the the mainstream audiences in Australia about the experiences of migrant kids there. And what my particular experience was as a South Asian woman growing up, you know, the right. monobrowed girl in the room who was often the smartest girl in the room but yet the shyest because, you know, don't talk too much and don't be too seen. So that was kind of the genesis of why I chose to base it there. But increasingly, and I have wonderful lit agents across the globe who are encouraging me to just not um, – limit myself I right. guess so I'm kind of going through a, a, a reprocessing of okay. how I do it but it's definitely very close to my heart it's been the project that's been for me I've worked very hard on it I actually think it's quite good personal stories very personal stories okay it's very it's very real there's okay. like no holes barred and then writing mm-hmm. is this your first time you're writing Yes and no. I think writing has kind of been where I started. Like, you know, I have a law degree and studied journalism. Oh, yeah, we're both lawyers. Yes. I forgot. Retired lawyers, but we're lawyers. I mean, I never practiced, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you know what it's like. Then you're, if you're a natural writer, you write. And I've done a lot, but my career as a writer in Australia was never going to be a thing because back when I was starting out in my adolescent years, I was faced with the ceilings that come upon a South Asian woman very early on, which is what precipitated, I guess, my um, move to India at such a young age. But, yeah, so it's kind of a full circle story about the irony of growing up Indian in Australia and going to India as an Australian woman. Yeah. And, you know, the double displacement, which you would relate to. And I kind of, you know, it comes back to where we are now, which is, a woman who has lived experience of the zeitgeist that is diversity and what that word means and how I have operated within that as both a token and someone with agency. So I got to ask, what would you say to people? Because I know you're younger. You're Mm -hmm. young. For me, you're like a baby because I'm so old now. God. (laughs) What would you say to people that would say, well, you're only 30 something. Like, mm. What do you know? I'd say. <laughs> I'd no, say, I mean, just say it. I would say, well, first of all, I've always been an incredibly old soul. Right. You know, just at a core baseline level. But I think when you grow up with minority consciousness, you are A, forced to reckon with so many issues around your identity, around who you are, around your place very early on right? compared to the average Joe that might not have to do that. Right. Sorry, Joe, to all yeah. the Joys out there. Um, Actually, you know what, Joe, I'm not sorry. Yeah. You're, you're doing <laughs> yeah, quite sorry, fine sorry, Joe, for sure. Joe's, right. Joe's killing it. Um, and also I, I have personally experienced a pretty ridiculous amount of trauma. You know, and not all of them are in the book because you get to make that choice as an author, right? Right. right. And I have very close friends who are also memoir writers. I was very lucky to connect with wonderful memoir female writers over the last few years who've been well wishes from afar and have read chapters. And and one thing they kept saying to me is that you're allowed to choose what you put in this. Of course. I have tried my best, even if they're not explicitly in there to allude to every anecdote, which has shaped me. Right. It's pretty comprehensive. So people will be like, we don't need to know about what happened when you were three. Relax. <laughs> um, it's important. Yeah. And I think it is important. I've started, I've, the, the first chapter is actually set in Delhi in 83. And it's an anecdote about my parents going to their interview for um, migration to Australia because my story started then. Right. You know, and initially the first chapter was set in the hospital when I was born in the comedy of that. Okay. Um, but then I was like, no, I need to go further back and, like, we need to understand how migration occurred for that generation. Right. And what the skilled migrant scheme was and how that places us. This is us. like your own, like, a very deep therapy session. It has been. I it mean, has over been. and over again. Which, yeah. which, by the way, I think we all need. I think each of us, I don't care if you're fucked up. And we can curse on this podcast. Oh, great. I love it. I don't care if you're fucked up or you, whatever life you've had, 
I would like to go to therapy to understand myself a little bit more. Yeah. Just because also as a parent, you're like, oh, wait, you just see yourself reflected a little bit more. But point is, I think writing a memoir is kind of a very, very deep dive. It was a deep dive. And I think like, I think I struggled with it in the initial years and it kind of put a halt to everything in my life because a lot of the issues I was grappling with, particularly as an actor, were still occurring as I was trying to write about that trauma. Right. So that was, you know, a lot of people were like, madam, why don't we see you in Bollywood anymore? And I was like, because I'm fucking writing about it. And yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And like, calm the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, because every day on set is a reminder. Um, madam. But, but the last year was a great pause. The pandemic was like a blessing from a writing perspective because I went back to my childhood house and spent time with my family and had nothing else to do in Melbourne's draconian four-month lockdown except nut out this first draft for first and foremost. I mean, it was meant to come out three years ago and right. I put a stop to it. Right. And I said to the publisher, it, it cannot come out. First, Firstly, because my editor was a white male and... My, it happens. <laughs> yeah, my, my voice was dramatically changed in the edits and I have almost had to rewrite my book again. Wow. Because it was, it turned into something else. It turned into, you know, the glossy story of the girl from the suburbs of Melbourne who made it in Bollywood. Right. Like, that is the genesis of the journey right through which the lens through which I can tell this story but it is about the micro anecdotes the microaggressions the 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 jubilation all of the things that happen along the way which that white male editor may not get no you know they want to you know and they're just trying to sell they're trying to sell and also uh, exoticize yeah Oh my god, I'm so tired of that word. Yeah, aren't you? I mean, you must be. Like, you must. I have to use you it must, every day. You must be hearing it all the time. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's very exciting. I cannot wait. You keep us posted. I shall. Um, we'll be doing another interview when it comes out. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna continue drinking with you <laughs> guys. I'm drinking on this podcast today, by the way, because I'd already had to ma- mama's tired. Um, mama's tired. It's fine. Tom and Jerry. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I've <laughs> really. Just, I was thinking about this on the train today. I'm like, Tom and Jerry, how should I ask her about this? So I grew up with Tom and Jerry, mm-hmm. as, as most of us did. Please tell me, please tell me that it's an actual live reenaction of Tom and Jerry and that you're actually going to be one of them. So it's already out. Oh, it's already out. It already Did it I came miss out. this one? Yeah, oh. you missed it. You and your kids need to watch this. Oh my God. It's out. Okay. It's, it's a hybrid. So, oh. so it's like Who Killed Roger Rabbit or Space Jam. Oh, so the characters I Tom and Jerry are two D. We're humans. I'm human. I play a character called Priyametha, who's a New Yorker, who's getting married. Do you have an accent? Of course I do. Oh, fuck on. We'll get. Let's get to that later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and she is an accent isn't an American accent. Okay. I'm no. Like, I'm oh, playing oh. a New Yorker. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, no. No. I'm American. Oh no. So yeah. I'm by accident I meant Indian. Indian. No. 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 Right. No. No. I'm very right, cool. careful about that stuff. No. 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 All right. Um, I feel better. Don't worry. I'm more, I like, I've, I've, I've managed I to like I'm get sure. above that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it was great. And it's all centered around an Indian wedding, uh, which is, you know, Priya's wedding. And it was a great role and a great experience. And like you, like Tom and Jerry for Indians is like such a big cultural thing. People are like shocked by that. I'm like, no, no, no. When I got cast in Tom and Jerry, my father wrote this Facebook <laughs> post and he's like, I never thought my two loves would come together oh. like this. Tom and Jerry and Pallavi. I'm like, really? You just likened your daughter to a cartoon? But he he would always say that in his IIT days, in in the 70s. My dad went to IIT. Really? Well. Where? Delhi? Bombay? Bombay. My dad's really old now. He's 78. And he went to his 50th anniversary three years ago. Right, right, right. So yeah. Yes, he, dad, he, so must be, he must be, he's much older. I have an older, yeah. Yeah, but same, same community. Same, same. We're covered same, from the same cloth. Same. Just having an elitist conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Ivy Sidebar. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so dad was, but both my parents met in IIT. They were married there. My Nanaji was a professor there. My mom grew up on the IIT campus in Delhi. Dang. So, yeah, pedigree. You guys, you, guys be, pedigree. you guys be fancy. Yeah, except for when you go to Bollywood and none of that matters. Yeah, like, what? Do you have a degree? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Do you know got to? Yeah. It's fine. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's fine. Um, okay, any other projects then? Current projects that I'm missing? So I just wrapped uh, I just wrapped a movie in Toronto called Wedding Season. Okay. Which is uh, one of the first South Asian rom-coms and I played the leading role. And it'll come out next year. Before that, I just wrapped in Australia Black Sight, 
which is a military thriller, play an American soldier and had a wonderful, I play the antagonist to the wonderful Michelle Monaghan, who was a brilliant lead actress and was such an inspiring number one to work with. Right. Because I went on to a film weeks later where I was in her position and I was so lucky that I'd had that experience with her to just be like, all right, this is how a badass woman leads. I feel like all of everything you're saying right now is just like an indication that you should come to the side of the world. I have a feeling. I've only just been back saying, in, you got weird. family and friends here. Just. I, it's, it's been the one thing that I wake up saying. I spoke to my mom the other day. I was like, mama, just letting you know. Just have mama and dad come here too. Well, my, mom, my my grandfather is still alive. He lives in Buffalo. See? You know, my, my mama G's in Short Hills. Like. What else do you need? Mama G, Nana. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Just move here. I'm yeah. here. We're all here. It's fine. And all the ummies. Uh, all the, every freaking ummy ever. All the cool <laughs> ummies. And Amisha's. Okay. Born in Perth. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Your parents moved there before you were born is mm-hmm. what I read on Wikipedia, although that's a little, Wikipedia a little shaky. Yeah. And then as we talked about pre-recording, you are a classical Bharatanatyam and contemporary Indian dancer. So wait, Bharatanatyam, I understand. Yeah, contemporary just means I can do a tumka, man. Oh, okay, okay. Mean, I mean, that means you'll destroy us at dance-offs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it just means we shouldn't go to the Diwali function together. Oh, okay. But you but, and I can. But can I, can I twerk? Yeah, can yeah, I, yeah. Twerk you can twerk. Oh, okay, you twerk, okay, and I'll... I mean, the ass has got a little bit I'll, I'll tumka, you twerk. There right. you go. We should just start yeah. something new. God, we should start like a whole like site. Yeah. Tumka, tumka, twerk. We're geniuses. Yeah, high five. Okay. So, and I'm going to get to Australia because I'm actually, I'm interested in your India story, of course, but I'm, I actually know very little about Indians in Australia. Mm, I really, I really don't know. It's one of the reasons I'm writing the book. Yeah. And I I don't think any of us, I mean, like, I think, you know, the Indian American story has kind of started being told. And of course I get it because I'm doing it. I've been through it, but I don't really get the Australian one. So yeah. I'm very interested in that. But before we get there, um, you knew at a very young age that you wanted to be part of Bollywood. Yeah. You're a bird, not damn dancer, classical, contemporary, whatever. On a side note, as a good South Asian Indian woman, you had honors, you became a lawyer, you were honors this and that. Anyways, point is, you weren't a dumbass. No, I was smart. But then, just saying. In 2010, you decided you have all this shit, great shit going on in Australia. You could have done whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. You pack up your bags mm-hmm. and you go to Bombay. Mm-hmm. Two questions. Mm-hmm. What the fuck <laughs> were your parents thinking, your family? Like, yeah. how do they, like, because I'll tell you the reason why I'm saying what the fuck is because I went for seven months and my parents were like, we're going to die right yeah. now. And two, I, I know you had this dream of being in Bollywood, like a lot of girls do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How did you get the confidence to pack up that bag and go to Bombay? It was a combination of facing my future as an adolescent when you're like, you got to make those choices, right? And I started university when I was 16, super young, right? unnecessary, probably shouldn't have done that. But I was very precocious. I was like smart. I like didn't do ninth grade. I was like a scholarship student, blah, blah, blah. Like right. graduated high school in the top one percentile of the state, you know, like, and when you, so then I did the good Indian girl thing. I was like, oh, let me do the hardest degree that's possible. Given that I was a humanities girl, I like, right. you know, so I did law, media and communications in French, but I did not belong in that law school. It was like the alabaster chambers of white privilege and Australian kind of, you know, lineage and pedigree. And I'm like this short brown girl from the Western suburbs in her like Adidas tracksuit pants going, what's up guys? Like, yeah. hey, how's, it, how's it going? Kind of yeah. sound like me. So yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah. Like I would turn up and I was like, everyone was wearing their skinny jeans and stilettos to university. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're in my knockoff diesel shoes. Yeah. yeah, I, just yeah. Got. Um, I mean, I was wearing my brother's clothes. Yeah. So like, at least you had that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And I just never, you know, we all, we all suffer the plight of belonging and unbelonging. Right. And I think that that was, you know, under the surface of everything, my dancing 
had really kind of my teen years it, it cemented as as part of my identity I'd right. stopped from like 10 to 13 because of an injury when I got back into it and I was still okay at it and then you know when I dance I come into my own you know that's who I am and everyone that knows me from growing up knows me as the girl who dances right and where could I do that could I do where could what would I have done in Australia performed at a Diwali function for the rest of my life what are the spaces in which a South Asian dancer can perform you're relegated to these community arenas which are legitimate and I love and I credit as the reason for who I am right but if you want to do it professionally what do you do you're never going to go to a musical and say oh I can do that like I'm not going to be the leader Mary Poppins you know, that's just not going to happen. And yeah. you're aware of it. You mm -hmm. know it and you accept it. You're not even angry about it. Yeah, it's just the Usually like, this is the way it is. Right. But then I think somewhere like the confidence had, you know, I was I was achieving things. So you, with that, you build confidence. Right. It was my high school, actually, the 12th grade. I was one of the leads in The Tempest, which is a musical. And I played Ariel, who's a spirit, prosperous spirit. And I had the most wonderful dance and drama teachers who saw what I was capable of and had me choreograph the whole show with a Bharatanatyam influence right? and gave me agency. I was composing music. I was like doing all this stuff and I went to a pretty strong performing arts high school and that gave me confidence that yeah. I'd never seen in that arena before. Again, it's something that I write about, like these kind of pivotal moments that you start to legitimize the world that you've thus far been hiding because it's something that people won't understand. Right. And so when I was at university, I continued to dance and Bharatanatyam, like I was teaching by then, and it was a big part of my life. And I just needed to reconcile these two selves, right? And I started applying loosely to law firms. I didn't, like, I'd missed deadlines. I didn't know what I was doing. I was younger than everyone. I was Thank just God. like, you know, I actually got a job. You, you and, did not miss out. Okay. All yes. right. All right. Well, that's good. Because I, I, I did it for three years. And I'm like, yeah. Every few weeks I am like, where would I be now? Like, what level of partner would I be? No. Um, no. I mean, you would have been fine, but yeah. probably, probably very unhappy. So. Okay. It's good yeah. to know. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. good to know that angst is worse than this, this angst. No. Um, and so I started talking. I was, on a, I was on a trip to Geneva to do like international law stuff at the WTO, WHO. And, you know, I would always come into myself when I was outside of my familial and Melbourneian environment where people would see me rock the dance floor. Right. They would see Pallavi when she's a little bit crazy, the side that you saw when you met me, right? right. Like free-spirited. Yeah. And I remember speaking to my friend Stephen, being like, hey, can I tell you a secret? And he's like, what? I was like, since I was a kid, I really wanted to be an actress in India. And he just looked me in the eye. And this is Stephen, whitest guy you'd ever meet. And he looked at me and he goes, Pallavi, you know it's inevitable. If you know that you want it, it's yeah. inevitable. And to have someone that came from the other side just see me like that and say that, it has stuck with me. And it stuck with me then. Hey, Steve, if you're listening. Hey, Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Yeah, well, I had dinner with him and his wife recently. I told him and he was like, what is wrong with you? I don't even remember that. <laughs> um, but then I. It's I funny was, how it's, these people moments, can make these right? impacts and they have no idea. Yeah. And then I was um, going. And then, and then at the same time, concurrently, I was trained to be a broadcast journalist. Okay. And was told by my journalism teachers in Australia that I was basically too brown to be a broadcast journalist. Because Australia is like years behind the US and the right. UK, right? Like okay. we're like we're like 70s, 80s US, UK. We worked 10 years ago. Got it. And my teacher was of Greek heritage. She said, I had to dye my hair blonde, so I'm not sure what you're going to do. And I was just like, okay, cool. Good to know. And then I went to drama school part-time and they said, you know, darling, you're never going to get work in this country. To my face. In like some weird improv, like I didn't realize exercise. I didn't realize I was that behind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I again just took it on the chin. I was like, cool. So how do I get to India? Meanwhile, an Indian professor is visiting our law firm from JNU in Delhi, Jawaharlal Nehru University, and it was just one of those like cinematic moments where I'm just staring at like this Indian accented law professor who's like talking about third world international law, which is one of my research pieces for some property essay, and I was like, this is it. I'm going to go to India. I'm going to finish my degree in India. And that's how I get to India because my parents are professors. Right. They're all over the Indian Delhi academic system. Right. How else do I explain it? Because when I told dad I wanted to be a Bollywood actress my whole life, he was like, you're going to have to dance for Daoud Ibrahim. 
And they were the words he said to my face because I come from like the middle class academic Indian family who know that if you don't have contacts in Bollywood, there's no way. And so I applied to JNU. Oh, okay. I'm going to India to study. Okay. I spent three hours at that university, paid my admission fee. Did you say three hours? Three hours. Okay. And then I flew to Bombay. And then I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we're there. So Bombay. You get there 2010. My first question actually on my notes was you landed. Did you know anyone in Bombay? Did you have any contacts? I mean, to answer your question, no. Okay. I, I used to cold email production houses from my law, law clerk office in Melbourne. That's crazy. And send like candid photos, touristy photos of myself, to send them my Bharatnatyam videos. And like this is before social media, right? This, this is, is 2010, right? Yeah, when this you is like, yeah, when I landed. But for like a right. year earlier, I was like trying to do all this groundwork because like I'm just going, nothing's really working in Australia. Nothing in Australia is letting me know that beyond the glass ceiling, I'm not going to face the glass cliff. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're cognizant of that. You feel that energy. And I was a hard worker. Right. Right? Like I did everything in my power to create a bright future. But yet I was starting to face the reality of what life would be like when you're expected to be the obedient migrant kid in the room. And that is why you're hired. Right. And I was, I'm not that person. Right. Right. I'm someone that has a voice and like I thrived at law school by the end. I loved it and think I would have actually been okay. But this is, this is the thing about race-based trauma is that when you've experienced it, when you are, a kid or a teen in small ways, the vibrational ways, when you get to the point of your adolescence and you get an inkling of that, it's basically a warning sign to you, right? Right. You, you're not like, this is a new challenge. You're like, oh, shit, that thing, it's come back. And it's always going to be there. And I'd also witnessed my mother as a professor in the 90s, young, in her 30s, beautiful Indian woman who was an ex-IITN engineering professor. She went through hell. So sad, dude. So... <laughs> I'm going, this is what my future might look like. Okay. But I, and I say that now in those days, I didn't understand all of this. I just right. knew the feelings of a block. Right. So something that was open-ended was more attractive. I mean, I don't want to say balls because balls are weak. Like you had a very strong vagina. Because I always say lips. Lips. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm like strong balls. Like I hate saying ball. You have balls to do stuff. Mm. Um, I mean, the little that I know of the industry the connections are it, right? Mm-hmm. But and I'm going to now name a few things that you did. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you can make fun of me because I'm forgetting Bollywood names. So let's go through a few things. Highlights, right. I guess. You can call them highlights. Maybe not highlights. You can tell <laughs> me if not. So Begum John, yeah. 2017. Lion, right. 2016. Besharam, yeah. 2013. Yeah. Save Your Legs was Aus- was Australia. Australia. Was that based Australia. in? Was we shot that, it in India. Though. Shot it in India. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to totally fuck this one up. Hawazada. 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 Okay. Yeah. So you get these roles, but yeah. by the way, I think people should know this is not an easy feat. Thank you. Not at all. I mean, this is insane that you even, uh, from what I know, again, like even getting into the room. Right. Yeah. Um, so lots to unpack here. So I want to start with an overview of this. So like looking back, hmm. If you could describe the, is it 10 years, seven years there? 10 years there. Seven years, probably living there. 10 years okay. of like existing there in some right. space. So in the 10 years of your, of your kind of connection to Bollywood, Bombay, which I'm so, I know you still have, but right. now that you can look back an overview and we're going to go get, we're going to get into detail, mm. but how can you describe your experience there now? My initial years were hell. So Beersharam was probably the big break that everyone spoke right. about, which was traumatic in and of itself to a certain degree. Only because when you were the outsider and you get a role like that, people are very quick to say, how did you get the role? Mm-hmm. Who did you sleep with? Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, no one. I auditioned five times and was good. And by the way, it was my fifth film, but the other stuff no one saw. My first film was actually called Dastola with Manoj Bajpai and I played a leading role and that was a fantastic experience to have him as a lead actor straight up like a guy who was also an underdog these were small boons that I count towards why I was able to survive 
to the mm. point where I was in the room for Besharam. Right. You know, you, you have to take those little joys and victories right. and counter them against the everyday slides of you're too dusky, you've got a jaw like a man, you giggle, which is intimidating. So you giggle, no, you don't giggle. You talk too much, you use big words. You don't tell anyone you're a lawyer. Da 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 da. Oh, everyone's going to think you're difficult. Well, like, I always find it funny now when you talk about overview. And I said this to someone recently, like, this might sound narcissistic, but who cares? What are the chances that in the world that we live today with the current zeitgeist in terms of the Me Too movement, in terms of Black Lives Matter, which has also brought about consciousness within South Asian and Asian communities around inequities that we face. Right. That I have, and, and the spotlight being so deeply on the media industry and the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. that I have been in that industry experiencing those exact things and now we're talking about that particular thing. Yeah. It's uncanny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I could have been doing anything in the world. I could have been making shoes. You know what I mean? But right. no, I happen to be an actress who's brown, who works in Bollywood, who's from Australia, who's encountered the misogyny and the sexism that necessitate, you know, who I am now, but also were deeply traumatic during those years. So, yeah, I think the journey as a whole, I look at as a weird anthropological experiment okay. of observing and witnessing these phenomena unfold. Right. And, you know, my, my dissertation in my media degree was on the representation of South Asians in Australian film and TV mm-hmm. 12 years ago. And I did an ethnographic well, you're such study. A, you're such an advocate for it now. So right. I, I, I yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so my, so, so like, so nothing's really changed at a core level. Like I was okay. always very conscious of that. Right. Okay. And I think weirdly what I did and put myself through to a certain degree was almost like I was the guinea pig. I made myself the guinea pig in my own experiment. Or you can say trailblazer. Thank you. Just throwing it out there. I was a pioneer, trailblazer, and guinea pig. (laughs) Prodded. Yeah, and it's – but I haven't felt like that, right? Like, like I have never felt like a trailblazer. You may not now. Yeah. It may take you a while. Yeah. I I, I see in the Australian industry, you know, like last year I had a show called Retrograde come out. Mm -hmm. We just won Best Comedy, Ensemble Comedy for it. And I was, you know, the first South Asian female lead in Australian comedy – like, and I just did an audible podcast called Slushy, which is the first Australian scripted comedy right. for audio. I was a lead in that with two of the best comedian, female comedians in Australia were directing. You know, I can give myself a pat on the back now and be like. Or do you think perhaps you can maybe give credit to your time in India to open these doors? I think that's largely a part of it. Okay. I definitely am not going to discredit that. Okay. Uh, I, I will always say that I am who I am today because of my time in India. Right. And I'm appreciative of everything that I went through because it's given me the gumption It's that I've relearned because I did lose it for a few years there. You know, there was well, some dark years. It's hard not. Look, I mean, I spent seven months there. Mm. You spent seven years. Yeah. And I can completely relate to what you're saying saying in just that short time. Yeah. My little experience I had. I didn't ever try it out for anything, but well, yeah, no, I did. I did. I tried it for the MTV stuff. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, bullshit, yeah. bullshit, bullshit. And the little that I experienced is still with me today. Yeah. It's it's, it's so astonishing. I it's astonishing. So I can't imagine seven years of and, and you've had successes and you've had fail. I'm sure you've had both, but I can't imagine as a an actor in your creative journey, how much that's affected you Yeah, to this point. Yeah. It's definitely good and bad. It's definitely, I will say, help me as an actor. Right. And I'm grateful for that. I have a lot, a lot of trauma to draw upon. Um, <laughs> it's good for your book. Yeah. It's good. Well, yeah, the, the book wouldn't exist because there wouldn't be a need to talk about anything if that didn't happen. If you're comfortable with it, talk about, one of your high moments and talk about one of your low moments. Uh, I think one of my high moments would be, and I, I think I look at these moments as moments, real moments, like I'm driving a car and I'm feeling something kind of moment. Right. Not like right, like a, this experience as a whole. Like a high. Yeah. I right. think it was maybe the day that I got cast in Bisham 
And I used to have an ambassador car. I don't know if you remember these. Oh, hell yeah. Those are so cool. Silver ambassador. And I was driving my silver ambi down Juhutara Road, just having been told that I was the lead in Bisharam. And I just blasted this music and just drove down Juhutara Road. Like I said hi to the dudes holding hands at Juhu Beach, eating their golgapas and their like golas. And I was like, okay, it's happening. Right. It's happening. This thing I manifested when I was three years old is actually happening. And I think that was one of the few moments that I allowed myself to like witness what was happening in the moment. Right. Often those positive moments were jaded and I didn't experience them the right. way I didn't allow myself to experience the highs because they were so, they were, there was a caveat to them, right? Right. Like you've got this, but you know, you don't, you're not really deserving of this because, or blah, 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 this is a fluke, blah, blah, blah. And you have so many voices around you. And also the parental pressure of, okay, how's this going to go down? You know, like all of the things, like it was not Pallavi with her bags, free spirited, you know, off to tackle the people and cut down the misogynistic, you know, predators. And I will like war with everyone I could do all of that fine right but when you have like family pedigree and like a brahmanical kind of archetype it's like a whole other layer over your head that is a ridiculous layer right 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 right. a ridiculous layer it's like what you go into the dirty industry well you make sure you keep yourself pure do you know what I mean? So you go to bed every night being pure like pure is the key word right in our fucking family yeah everything I know and so I'm there going, not only do I have to do this, the tools and mechanisms that I use are so limited, not because I'm angry that I didn't sleep with anyone for work, not that I wanted to sleep with anyone for work, but at the point where you're like, I want to make sure I'm never even in a room where that can be discussed, can be discussed right. you're handicapping yourself right. because you're closing yourself and you're prejudging people. And in, a, in in effect, you're giving yourself access to maybe 2%. Right. So I still don't know many people in India and in Bollywood because I avoided so many rooms. I feel like it's safer that way, though. It's definitely safer. Yeah. But it's also, it's based on fear. Right. Right. And you're operating based on fear. So you're not ever really fully giving into your creativity and to that spirit. Because what's the shield that comes out? It's the lawyer-esque Strong woman, which is who I am. Thank, but you know what? Thank God you had that. Yeah. I'm Thank God you that. had that because if you didn't, like a, someone like me who didn't, like for a short time I was there, I don't, I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I, I, yeah, I definitely And I'm sure protection. you've seen. I've seen girls that haven't had that. Right. And I've watched and witnessed and tried to mentor and tried to protect, but you know, like the, the, any power, any power is wielded. Right. By undermining the weaker people and making them feel like they need you. Right. Right. And I was just shocked by it initially because that's, 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 that's a product of the privilege with which I grew up where you believe that you right. have a voice. Right. You believe that people cannot speak to you a certain way. And that is the, the, the myth that we grow up with in the new world when we, especially as model migrant communities. Do you think it's people, a myth though, Bolivi? I don't think it's, I think it's, again, I'm, I'm literally basing this on the seven months that I had, my one or two lows there. Um, I just, I feel like it's more of a strength. What are the chances? There's so many places we could have been born and raised, mm. right? Oh, 100%. What are the chances yeah. that we got this opportunity to be born and raised in these? This was our silver spoon, I will say. Right. This was our silver spoon. 100%. Like, look, look at that. Like, look how yeah. lucky you. I don't know. I know. Anyway, We're sitting a in a beautiful podcast. apartment in New York discussing this. We miss you, Amisha. I know. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Amisha. But. I'll say a myth from the point of view in that I believed it was inviolable. However, I realized it was a construct Mm. and I was privileged to be able to buy into it and to adopt it. And you and I are very cognizant of that privilege today sitting here. And for a while there, that privilege went away. Got it. It's a good learning lesson. It also pisses me off a little bit because I felt like that little bit as well. Like I have a parallel story to you in mm. a very short time, so I, I kind of get it. But, yeah, I, I will say, and for you as my little sister, I'm like, I'm so glad you had that. And that's yeah. why you were able to come back in one piece. Uh, yeah, you know I did. I mean, it was, I, was, I was a broken hole for a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, I think the film I did, Begum John, helped me. Is there any low 
moment you can talk about? I think it was probably the whole period, the couple of years shooting Beisharam Hawaii Okay. I, ironically, it was the moments when I was doing the thing that I dreamt of doing since I was a child. Right. That I was the unhappiest. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I wasn't aware of the kind of depression that I was in and the kind of oppression that I was finally processing. Right. And then... Because when you work as hard as I did to get in the room and to get the role, because there are those that don't need to work. Like, they'll say, oh, you know, nepotism sort of thing because, you know, they need to, like, prove nepotism. themselves. Nepotism. That's the word. I was like, insensual? Wow, what else? Nepotism, they're like, okay, the, 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 the academic argument against it is that, okay, so someone gets work off the bat because they're so-and-so's son or daughter, mm-hmm. but then they have to be good. This is what people always say. I'm like, I was like, I spent the first five years of my 20s trying to get that role. So I didn't get a chance to just be good or not be good. Yeah. I had to like go through 50,000 hoops right. to even come close to that opportunity. Right? right. And you will never know what those rooms look like. And I've said this to people to their face. Those conditions in which we were auditioning were inhumane. 40 degree heat, tiny tin shacks. Some random dude like looking you up and down while you like have to recite your vital statistics. And women are there going, my breasts are this big, my waist is this big, my hips are this big, and this is my height, this is my skin color. And you're reducing, you're dehumanizing yourself. And you go through that enough and you start to reduce yourself and your own worth. So by the time you get to a place where you're meant to have some agency and power, which is shocking that I got there, but I worked my ass off to get there. And I was good at what I did, which is why that was finally rewarded in some respect. I didn't have the same color, sparkle, optimism mm. that I left Australia with. Got it. So all of the slights, all of the injustices, all of the things that happen anyway on a film set, as we know. Right. Particularly for women. Right. Hurt just hurt that much more. Because I was no longer excited to be in the room. I was no longer feeling so grateful to be given space. I'm so glad that that you lost that sparkle with that. Yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I just think you're so much more than this. <laughs> I think Bollywood's fantastic. I, ha- I have this weird relationship with Bollywood myself. I think a lot of us Indian Americans do as well, um, where I grew up with it in the 80s and 90s. But I think it fucked me up a little bit mm. in the way I viewed myself as a mm. woman. Just even watching, I wasn't part of it. No, but the archetypes that they kind of put out, and this is another thing I write about in the book, is like viewing, I've, I've, I've basically deconstructed my own roles right. in this book and critiqued my own roles. Good for you. From a feminist standpoint. Therapy, man. Therapy, but also, yes, definitely therapy. But also going... It took a lot of lips to look at the thing which gives you agency because it's what allows you to move through the ether as a dancer or an actor. Right. And also gives you your roti, your freaking kamai. Right. Right. The thing that makes you eat. And also I'm like a full Indian Mumbaiker now. I grew up in that city, right? Like I miss it. I love it. I speak Hindi. I mean, it's it's a beautiful city. That's not, I don't want to sound negative about it for sure. But but there are, but you're, you're kind of, again, that thing of being told to be grateful that I ever got that space. I'm like, well, let me actually look at what that space looked like. For you. Yeah. Right. Right. At that time too. Yeah. Let's deconstruct that for a second. And, and, and that's why, weirdly, my roles reflected my own search for agency. So, when, so I took a break after Hawaii's other. That's when I really took a break. I okay. like, didn't take a single meeting. Everyone was like, well, you're disappeared. I actually I have alopecia, which is an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. I'd lost my eyebrow to alopecia. And I used to, again, something I talk about, for 10 years, used to, well, I, I was diagnosed in 2011, and then in India, what they will do is they'll inject you with steroids. And a doctor injected me with too much steroid. And my face got warped through that time. Oh, steroids warp your face. Right, right. I didn't know this. So my face looked very different for five years. So I didn't even recognize myself in Bisharam and this and that. Because wow. I had a swollen face from the steroids. And when Havai's other hit, 
the lowest was when I lost my eyebrow and they injected too much steroid and my face atrophied. And I had a dent in my forehead. Jesus Christ. So I couldn't face camera. And that was kind of like, okay, well, I can't go in front of camera. I can't take a meeting. So it forced me to go, do I really want this? And then I'd created this false narrative around Missing Australia because I wanted a sense of home again. Mm. So all of a sudden it's like in search for home, I go to India, but now I'm searching for home again after I supposedly encountered what it was meant to look like. I think it's not to sound cheesy, but like I feel like that's what you were leaning towards, whatever it was. Like it doesn't have to be... I have to go to India, make it become big and then get back. Right. Like it's, no. it's, it's, it's your, it's no, your but journey, there was, there right? was like definitely it's... an element of, sh- you know, there is definitely an element of like shame and the tail between your legs. Cause so when like, you got back, did you feel that? No, actually I got back and felt like an imposter because everyone thought of me as a huge success because but, I, I knew what I was going through emotionally. Right. And but you, like, huge success to the outsiders is, like you did all this yeah. stuff, right? So like that's fair for them to hundred percent, okay, hundred percent. But okay. but for but you, there you was didn't a feel disconnect, that way. right? Because I was so disassociated during that time, right? And then you know one of the greatest things that happened was that I I, I hosted the IPL in 2016. Were you the brand ambassador or something? Like, I don't no? know, yeah, like the right. Sony SPN girl, right? And I obviously studied broadcast journalism and wanted to be a broadcaster. Right. So like no one knew that. Right. But all of a sudden you've got an actor who's kind of like funny and then well, who has like thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And is the ability to speak on this thing. And then I just brought back my Australian self, my Australian accent and had the best time doing this gig. Cause you were like you. Yeah. It was me. And I wasn't being forced into weird molds and like yeah. weird bodycon dresses and yeah. fair and lovely you're fair and lovely and fairer foundation sticks and blah 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 and i've made you look thinner and fairer and da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden it was like i did my own makeup for that whole thing it was empowering just to have that ability choosing your own clothes right um working with professional sports people it's like you need actual skill to get in this there's no there's no two ways about it right and working with people that need raw talent and there's no other way you can become a world-class cricketer so two quick questions one I don't know if Bollywood, if we're ever going to ever have our own agency there, like, is it ever going to happen or is our cultural, is our cultural makeup just way too archaic? Well, I mean, again, I guess this is the point I was going to Begum John, while it was directed by a Bengali man to play a sex worker at the time of partition with Vidya Balan as my lead and no hero. Do you know what I mean? And play a woman. I, I, I designed the backstory of my character. She was a Punjabi girl from Hoshiarpur, which is where my daddy came from. I love her. I was, you know, just totally, I spoke Tate Punjabi. You know, my director was like, what is this Punjabi? I don't understand. I need Yashraj Punjabi. What are you saying? You're like, <laughs> so I was like, Tid which dar there. I would have like, been like, kuch kuch hota hai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My director was like, fun. what's a tid? I was That's like, fun. it's a stomach. He's like, say pate. I was like, all right. And, does a very good job. Too. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I play a character who's being fucked on screen, mm. who's gang rape, yeah. who's got trauma, PTSD. She's screaming and swearing. And I really channeled a lot of how I felt through that role. Wow. And um, it was really, th- and it's what I wanted. I wanted like a smaller character role where there wasn't the pressure of carrying the film right. and numbers and all of those things that, were unfairly thrust upon me, quite frankly, Right. very early on. It's like, all right, if I'm doing a film with really big male stars, don't scapegoat the chick from the western suburbs of Melbourne right now when it's convenient. So that was really nice and, you know, met made beautiful friendships with women who had all been underdogs in their own journeys. Right, right. And then I kind of pieced out for a bit. After that, and I right. went back to Australia. I did my first Australian show four years ago. You did? See, I, I researched things. <laughs> Pulse. Pulse. So that was your, you were the first Indian actress to have been a leading actress mm-hmm. on the Aussie big and small screens. Mm-hmm. See, Wikipedia. It says yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then Beecham House. Beecham House, which was great. It was right. Last year. That was Gurinder Chadda's. Um, but not like Beckham, which I always thought I should like, I should be the star of that. Yeah, you would be act. great. I can yeah, see yeah, that. Uh, Triangle, I think you did. Triangle was that a pilot. Was pilot. Yeah. And then he worked with Brebel Wilson. Oh, oh yeah, Les Norton. So 
God. That was a comedy two years ago, set in 85. I played a bookie from King's Cross in the Red Light District in Sydney. I'll send you photos of that. It's great. I like the age. She's lost so much weight. And then um, David Wenham was in that. David well. Wenham was that as well. So I want to I want to sum up Bombay really quick and then get to Australia. I still know a lot of younger women in their twenties that hold these aspirations. Want to do what you did. Mm-hmm. Honestly, what do you say to them? I say, call me. <laughs> no, and you know I want to do it still. Do you know what the weirdest thing is? The sheen, the magic, it hasn't gone. That's amazing though. I think that's fantastic. Maybe, yeah. maybe you have the magic mixed with the reality now. Yeah, and I know what it is. I know what those sets look like. I know how to operate. I think I was too young and too naive and too, and not too. Too's like a superlative, which makes it seem like it's bad. It's right, not bad. Right. I had no exposure and no experience and no mentors and no one guiding me. Did you leave with any mentors? No. Okay, I want to talk about Australia really quick. Yeah. You came back. You've done a bunch of cool shit. Yeah, I know your current projects. I talk to a lot of my guests are Indian American. Mm. So we talk about relationships to America, being American. How do they feel? You know, you touched on it. Growing up in Australia as an Indian, what is your relationship now to Australia? And do you still identify yourself as Indian Australian? 100% I'm Indian Australian. Okay. Yeah. Um, or I'm Australian or I'm Indian. It just depends on the context. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm Australian as a, if someone says, where are you from? I say I'm Australian. Is that because of pride or because you feel like you have a loyalty there? Probably a bit of both. I think it's because I think like an Australian woman, like my cognizant kind of view on the world is through that lens. Okay. And having lived in India now, I can't claim to have grown up with the lens of a woman growing up in India. Right. Right. Like right. it's just not my reality. I mean, it's home. It's Australia's your home. Yeah. Right. So I was born there, brought up there. Right. And like, if I meet people that grew up in the same era as me and went to primary school at the same time as me, I have the best conversation. Do you know what I mean? I want to talk about the weird jingles that right. were on TV. It's a connection. Then. Like, yeah. I grew up watching Bollywood. I well, you had to be India. good at languages. You were speaking on my own film. Yeah, like, that's I performed in India. I yeah. never had anyone dub for me. Like, I just... And that was the thing. No one believed I was Australian when I went there. That was actually a curse. Because what people think? thought I you was, think? like, from freaking Jamshedpur. Oh. And I was making up a story. I don't even know Jamshedpur It's, like, some place. rando <laughs> place. I don't know. I just made it up. But, like, do you know what I mean? They're like, ye to padani Australia se aye. First of all, because if I said I'm from Australia, they'd be like, then she doesn't know Hindi. Yeah. So to compensate, I would just use my Indian persona because I can switch it. I can oscillate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were like, did you really go to, you went to college for a few days in Australia? <laughs> I'm like, no, I was freaking born in Perth, mate. Like, a few days. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was, that was another layer of my Bombay experience was like, you know, the expat scene, you can yeah. speak in your Australian accent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I'm in those audition studios, I'm not like, hey, I'm Pallavi Shada. <laughs> You know, if I did that, they'd be like, out, get out. Yeah, yeah. That would be you like, know, what's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> but but the flip side of it is if I had have gone that route, maybe because of the post-colonial hangover that India suffers and their it's obsession. A fucking, by the way, a huge hangover. Yeah. but uh, And over here. And the way. obsession with the other and like all of those things. It may have served me well. Who knows? Because I was there at the time where when you're auditioning, there's also two Brazilian chicks were auditioning for this. Oh, movie. yeah, 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 you yeah. Remember those fools. Do you remember those? Do you remember the Argentinian <laughs> chicks? I was like, who are you now? What? What yeah. now? Hey, look, we know we know the perfect bodies. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah. I like, was just like, like. Well, we, just, like, we just really, got rid of our body hair. I was too. <laughs> I know. I was like, I just spent eight hours getting my chin threaded. And that's not enough. Yeah. You know? it, it's still growing yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The choti is back within eight minutes. Like, I've never I, called it a choti. I yeah, like that. Like, so, so, so then I literally was like, oh, I was too brown in Australia and I'm too brown in India. Yeah. You know, that reality. But so Australia's been, Australia's been an interesting, it's been an interesting journey back, you know, the, the, to spend your 20s ostensibly away and right. then come back. It's right. like in your late 20s, you're right. like, Oh, I don't know this place anymore. But you do. But I do. And I have a perspective on it, which 
is pretty interesting, right? Because I've experienced so many industries. Right. I think Australia is now really good with how it deals with diversity. And like, I hate that freaking word, but you know, with representation. What is the other word? I know. I use diversity. Like I use DEI the whole, like, I'm like, okay, can I change this up now? But yeah, yeah. I mean, just, it's just authenticity, I guess. Um, but like last year, I was a script consultant on Retrograde because the producers and the director were like, we know you know more than us about this. We know. I was like, the Maddie backstory has to be real. Where did That's she grow amazing. up? Where did her parents used to go to the beach? I know so many kids that grew up in Canberra. Like, and I was able to use all of the context of my upbringing right. and insert it into this character. Same with it. I have only uniquely had that experience in Australia. Got it. As opposed to the States, mm. as opposed to uh, Canada, as opposed to the UK. I mean, luckily, one of the projects I did in the UK was Grinda's show, so right. she had already done that work, and that was right. hugely empowering. Working with a female director who's South Asian that's a migrant child. It's insane. It was like, okay, you're literally the closest thing to my experience. Right. So we had a shorthand straight right. away. So it must have been a smooth, like, production, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. And then last year I did The One on Netflix, which okay. is a British show, which, you know, was a huge hit on Netflix. And I was Australian in that, and that was the first time I played an Australian woman in an international show. But how good, that must have felt amazing. Amazing. It was so liberating. I'm, I'm lucky three years ago when I did my first American pilot for Warner Brothers that one of the execs was South Asian. Yeah. So it's that such, was amazing. I mean, it changes the whole game, right? Yeah. And I think, obviously, wedding season, we had a producer who was Indian, which was very helpful. For me, there's two kind of roles. There's two kinds of roles now. The ones where my culture is a part of the narrative and the ones which aren't. Right. And the ones which aren't are like a holiday because I'm like, cool. Right. I'm just playing Megan Chapman right now. Right. And she just happens to be brown. Right. No one's asking about whether her parents wanted to have an arranged marriage or like what degree she has. Do you know what I mean? Right. Black side, I played a soldier. Like I was literally doing jujitsu and hand-to-hand combat. Like no one cares about my character right, story. Right, it right. informs me it's just, always. Yeah, right. I know that. Right, but it's not about why you're if brown. If there are mistakes why, yeah. in the script that defy my backstory, I'll bring them up. But there's not like that level of making sure that we're getting things right every right. day. So it, it's hard work. And I just hope producers and, and, and filmmakers, and they, this is why, you know, I want to start a consultancy about around this. I think once you move here, <laughs> you should. There's, I, I don't know. I mean, again, yeah. I know very little. I'm just talking out of my asshole right now. But it just feels like there's more and more opportunity. Obviously, there's in Australia too. But well, who just yeah. wants you in New York? Just come I want to be here. You know, don't, and by the way, don't go to LA. Like we're we're not doing that. We're staying no, in New York. I'm feeling that. I'm yeah. really feeling that. And also, I I'm also like reconnecting with my very, you know, through writing and like you know, talking to people like yourself. I'm reminded that. I have a law degree from one of the best law schools in the world and that informs who I am and right. how I look at the world and my critical thinking and I miss executing that part of my brain. I miss that part Don't of me. Don't hear. Don't yeah. Me. Um, okay, last question. You are a classically trained dancer. Yes. Why are you laughing? I'm so scared. <laughs> and I... So... My whole identity has been based on my four breakdancing moves. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Go on. Can we do a dance-off? Yes. And can you let me win? Yeah, as long as those words are, are like <laughs> in a ticker box across the screen as it's happening, for sure. I just have my own special moves, I'm just saying. I mean, I feel like we, we, we're we owed a dance-off because we missed Ami's wedding where we were meant to dance. Uh, where I was pregnant and I, throwing up. You were yeah. pregnant and I couldn't make it because I was shooting. Yes. Um, and so great. Actually, like, that's years ago. Okay, so we're doing, we're doing this, guys. It's going to be filmed. Yes. And going to be put next to the other video that you, uh, the other podcaster will destroy. But... Okay, guys, live recordings must happen again because that was awesome. I was about to even have my second drink and then decided to calm down a little bit. But love, love talking to Bellavi. She's so fantastic. You guys, please follow her on all social media. On Insta, it's Bellavi Sherda. 
P-A-L-L-A-V-I-S-H-A-R-D-A. She has some great projects coming up, including Netflix, which I believe she mentioned on there. As always, you can follow me at Tuckered Out Podcast, tuckeredoutwithami.com. I forget to mention this every week, but please rate and review on Apple. It really does help. I promise, like, eventually I will pay you back somehow with, like, you know, drinks or dance-off, which is what I can offer. But it'll be worth it. So please rate and review. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. This is Tuckered Out. Tuckered Out.